It's the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Chris is a yawning. I cannot be bothered. And you've picked a doozy today, haven't you? You picked this, so this is entirely your fault if it goes and fucks up. If it's a good podcast, I'll take the credit for it. Because that's got to be me sweeping in and saving the day on it. Yeah? Sure. Whatever you tell yourself to sleep at night. It's just agreed in a roundabout way. So what is today's topic? I can't be bothered, but what 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 is meant by that in terms of why is this on the podcast archive, the list of podcasts to do? Number 129, I think you said. Yeah, number 129, episode 129. I can't be bothered, frowny emoji face. What makes a witch actually do big magic? Wow. Well, I suppose the first thing we've got to do is define what big magic is, because I suppose lots of people will um, find trying to get a yellow ball big magic, you know? Well, I mean, it's one step up from an orange ball. <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest that big magic, it would depend on the perspective that you're talking to. Are you talking about a person's individual, so an individual's idea of what's big magic, in which case that's something that they need to put considerable amount of effort into. It's not some walk in the park. Um, Or is it just general big magic? So the general consensus of the vast majority of the magical community, what they would consider to be bland, uh, big magic, I guess. Where, where would we, where would you go for that? If someone said big magic, would you assume that they're talking from their own perspective or would you assume they're talking from the community at whole? Um, I think most people would t- kind of have an idea of what they think is impossible. And I suppose most people would go, I couldn't do that. And that's what they consider big magic to be. Um, I think it's more of a individual thing than it is a kind of group thing. But that's mainly because I feel like people don't talk about big magic. Mm. They seem to focus on the kind of fairly mundane end of stuff. So I don't think they'd actually talk to each other about big magic. I think it depends on the ego. I think if you've got someone with a small ego, they tend to think of big magic as anything they themselves cannot do. If you've got someone with a big ego, I think they would think of it in terms of, well, this is what most people cannot do, you know? I suppose. And because we've got big egos, we would look at it from a community standpoint, hence this <laughs> beginner intermediate, foundation intermediate advanced thing we've got going on, which we're often complained about in it yeah i think if we're going from that standpoint then i think most people seem to struggle with <laughs> um casting from the astral as big yeah, work. Sort of astral work is you know any kind of um that or kind of big magic would i guess the most common one is crossing the abyss mm. Um, those ones seem to be like huge ones for most people. And for me, I'm kind of like those two things are worlds apart. Mm. Uh, But both of them would totally be put on that big magic list, depending on who you were speaking to. Um, Hmm. So are we inspiring the individual to push themselves further? Or are we listing things and delving into things that we find the majority of people simply cannot do but should be aiming for? So is this more individual focused or is this more community focused on this episode, do you think? I suppose it should be slightly more community focused as it's no holds barred, I guess. Okay, so we're not picking out individuals and say this person needs to improve on this? No. Do you not even want to do that in the extended edition? Maybe. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how Fausty Can I just turns. go through the list and just obviously not say their real names, but say their thoth names, their pseudonyms, 
and you just spout out the first thing that comes to mind that the person needs to improve on. <laughs> That'd no. be a good game. That sounds like a really great game for you. It does. Because it's me. Because it'll be me being the one that's being rude to them all. Hey, you don't need to be rude, Chris. There is such a way of giving criticism and ways within which people can aim and stuff, but not being rude. You don't have to shit all over their hopes and dreams, you know. I suppose. Yeah, there is another way. Okay. Well, the uh, unconditional positivity and all that shit, you know? Oh, okay. Unconditional positive positivity training. I know they made you do it at the cult. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so what I think the of the obvious one would be astral work. I think that would tick a box for a lot of people as to what they consider. Why is that big work though? Is that because it's something that lots of people struggle with or is it just because it's a really difficult skill to master or is it a rite of passage thing or what is it that makes it big big magic because you wouldn't consider that to be big magic no, we never used that. to when we first started this i don't think we considered this to even be considered <laughs> uh anywhere yeah. near big magic i thought this was like day one type stuff yeah. where you know on the first week at school, every lesson just involved writing your name on the front of the exercise books, right? That was like astral work, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Right. So, when when did you change your opinion of this? I don't think it's big work. I think that the miss there are too many miscommunications in the community, right? Um, where they have different ideas of what astral work is how it's experienced and because i didn't realize quite how much people in the magical community seem to constantly look for validation mm. um, of something they've experienced so I'm, I'm surprised at how many people need proof and i don't think that's kind of the secular world that has no faith um i just feel like a lot of it is that is they don't trust their their own experience to be real so they constantly i think constantly looking at others there's a element of fear though from what i've seen with people when they have experiences and stuff that they can tend to freak out a little bit and they want they feel comforted by the other people have been along that path. So I, I don't know. I mean, it makes logical sense, I think, when you're progressing, you, you, you know, you look at other people that have also traveled that path and you, you compare <sighs> your notes to theirs. I'm yawning because I'm bored of the conversation, you see, because we're talking astral stuff. You know, I thought we were going to talk big magic. <laughs> well, I just think it's one of those things we should cover pretty quickly particularly as this is the kind of um the free side because mm. it's those that are kind of searching that are going to find this side of the podcast so i'm kind of thinking i would say okay. that's not difficult work well sum but... it up in one sentence then one sentence astral projection what will help people the best so we can move on to more exciting copy topic of conversation because we've talked about the astral a lot we've talked about where it is we've talked about various different techniques we've talked about practice 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 we've talked about the bird of a paradise only comes to an open palm we've talked about all of this a lot so summing up in one sentence or maybe a paragraph at most what is what can you condense down to give people the best advice for astral work astral projection and such don't overthink it would be my advice yeah um mine would probably be aim for embodiment yes kind of aim for being able to push feel what it is and push into it mm. that that is probably my best advice um but no what i'm trying to say is less about what requires to actually happen but more more the fact that why do people 
feel that that is big magic. Mm. Um, and I, like you say, I think your list of reasons is the right list, um, you know. But I don't know. Okay, move on to more interesting things. When we first started teaching, my definition of big magic, bigger magic, was normally, and to a certain extent, you can kind of see it as a mark of passage, but it is a very, is a, there's a serious distinction that can be made um, between when you are trying to do any sort of complicated magic or simple magic, it doesn't really matter, but when there is no real obstacles in it, right? So in that case, what you're trying to do is you're trying to go and heal someone or go and fuck someone up or trying to manifest this thing, that thing, whatever it is. Right, but nothing or no one's really getting in your way. So that kind of boss fix spell, no one cares. New job spell, no one really getting in the way. You know, you want to go and do a little bit of healing and a simple stuff to heal the person, you know, that's fairly simple, you know, that kind of thing. Where I see big magic is that is a lot more like chess, in that with the small magic, it's one move yeah. and that's done, right? So you're creating a spell or you're creating a piece of work or something like that. You're doing the work and then it's over. There are no other steps. With chess, as soon as you make a move, the universe changes or the opposition, let's say, makes a counter move. That is what I'd consider to be more bad, uh, big magic. Because at that point, you're having to take on board the way I see things at the moment, it is going to change. So you have to plan several moves ahead. So if you were to do big magic, people often think about influencing world events and such like that. Well, there are lots of people all the time using magic to, you know, maintain the status quo and also change the status quo and change things and, you know, keep things the same. There's all of that sort of thing. So what you need to remember is with big magic, there's always someone or something else trying to undo whatever you're trying to do. There'll be some that want to help in the direction that you want to go down, but there's also things and people and such that are trying to fight against it, which you've always got to plan for that. You've always got to, you know, go that step further. So in other words, you have a foe that you need to defeat. That would what I'd consider to be getting into the realms of big magic now, because it's not like money magic where you can think, well, I made a hundred pounds and that was really good, but now I want to go for a million pounds. You know, that's kind of like people would think that's big magic, but actually, is that really big magic? I wouldn't say that it's necessarily big magic unless you're facing big obstacles, because I think it's all about the obstacles. How do you feel about that? Just throwing that out there. I think it's a fair. I think it's a fair assessment. I think that would be probably what I would agree is kind of big magic is magic that, yes, you're pushing against something mm. um, that's either already in motion or is likely to respond, mm. I think is fair enough to say. Pushing um, against sentience. Politics, that's what it is. It's all about politics. There's not a lot of magical politics that gets involved with small magic, in fact, none really whatsoever. Um, and if there is, it's very one-sided. But when you're talking bigger magic, there's bigger things. So, you know, bigger levels and such. That's what I would say. It probably goes down to the politics of the situation. But pushing out from small magic to big magic is a natural thing when you, I think, encounter when your spell gets tainted or your magic and such gets interfered with. I think that's the real, real thing. Because people, obviously, when they try to do simple magical spells and such like that with manifestations and all this and that, they get a spell to work and then they start to get it to repeat repeatedly work you know change little bits and pieces for a different outcome and stuff but they've got a structure and a simple thing where they can repeat it and then all of a sudden they want to go for something and it doesn't work and yet it's worked so many times before and they understand why it's working but all of a sudden someone's taken a cog out of the big machine and now something's not right and like when your computer makes that crack cranking noise because it gets caught on something you're like what the fuck's it doing now i left it, it was printing fine yesterday it's got ink in that how has that, that happened you know it's just click 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 clicking 
right? What's that that's kind of like with spells and stuff? And obviously it takes a certain level of, to be able to understand your own spell, because this is where people go wrong, is they don't necessarily understand and can dissect their own work like someone that owns a printer and they don't fucking know how it works. They can't fix it. Like I know the paper goes in the paper hole and there's a little thing that pops out. I put the paper in and then it comes up and says they ain't got no ink in it, even though it has got ink, but it wants me to go and buy some new ink cartridges and it don't like the cheap ones either. It wants the proper stuff, right? That sort of thing. But now it's making a clicking noise. I don't fucking know. You know, that's what, and it, but it's your printer, it's your spell. How do you not know when it when it malfunctions and doesn't work properly? How do you not know where it went wrong, okay? Because obviously for bigger forms of magic, it is going to go wrong. That's one of the things that they don't teach you is moves and counter moves. You put a little bit out, you start the work, but you're constantly having to adjust it, which is where normally I introduce the concept of kind of... Um, spell crafting in terms of spells which are designed to a certain extent a little bit like algorithms and stuff like learn they can move not quite to the form where they're alive so not necessarily egregore but almost there there's a certain level of sentence and you know there's a the difference between a um uh what is it where you go to a sledge hmm. difference between a sledge and a toboggan and a go-kart in the go-kart you can actually steer and some go-karts have little engines and shit in, don't they whereas fucking one of those little bum pads you go on you're barely able to <laughs> you're not able to stop and you're barely able to steer that's like most people's spells when they start they know what direction they want to go in they push off and they ride there <laughs> whether it works or not they're going in one direction things get a little bit better you know, they start to be able to steer. Maybe they get a little bit of a break. They don't really stop them. It just slows them down a bit when they go around a corner. But we're, what we're talking about is like go-kart magic. We're able to move. We're able to. There's this reverse, Chris. You can reverse, do a three-point turn, and then go back and go around another way if there's a dead end. That's the sort of higher-level spell casting and such. But there we go. Big magic. Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's the biggest difference is because obviously we talk about um with small magic what we're talking mm. about is kind of setting something up firing it off and then making sure we're letting go of it mm. um whereas with big magic that's slightly different in the sense that with big magic it's kind of an automated vehicle isn't it it's a mm. drone or or whatever that where you're actually expected to be aware of how do well it's doing and actually have to yeah. take over control if needs be. Um, Voyager, Voyager um, yeah. probe that goes into space and reports back. You're not really driving it. It's set to go and do its thing, but it does report back and say, oh, yeah, there is an alien spaceship just now. Well, you know, it knocked me off course a bit. Well, I'm compensating. That's what you yeah. expect from a spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the sort of level that we're talking about. Um, I think what people will probably struggle with is where that line is drawn mm. um as to when they start to get to that point i think with the small magic it gets to the point where you don't even really practice on them mm. um like as in you don't really actually design them in the same way to the point that it becomes reactive mm. so where you cast and we're not talking act, accidental magic here. Um, you're talking where it's a case of um, most of your work will be automated in, in kind of your way, kind mm. of uh, muscle memory, mm. reflex, as opposed to actually having to design spell work in that same way that you do when you first start out with small magic. Mm. I think when you get to that end, it's then a case of, like you say, you start to discover things that are pushing back mm. that you wouldn't have discovered otherwise. Um, you kind of go, oh, that that didn't that didn't go according to plan. Um, it should have done. And then kind of working through that process, I think, uh, yeah, I like the idea of a you know a drone or a probe. Um, it's more that it it has its job. 
knows mm-hmm. how to work it's automated from mm-hmm. your building um but we'll kind of report back if if um problems are met another thing is that people need to think when they're wanting to accomplish accomplish bigger things that spell casting isn't always the way to go because spell casting mm-hmm. is quite naturally quite creating like a, a system or something like that and setting it up whereas if you if you equate it and think of it like this it's snowing the driveway is full of snow and the road is full of snow i'm going to create me a plow a, a plow and blast my way through it all right okay that's one way of doing it that's like a spell casting way of doing it you need to create a decent enough plow or a big enough spell you know that can go in a straight line get rid of the snow and needs to have enough fuel to be able to get the road cleaned yeah and not encounter an obstacle so that's normally a brute force kind of thing well designed but brute force essentially what you're talking about with bigger magic is you're saying okay i know how snow works we're going to tinker this so that it never gets cold enough to snow so we're tinkering with the environment so that it doesn't snow so really with the bigger magic is actually the system's normally already in place what we're doing is we're tinkering with the bigger system it's not like a bolt on necessarily or you know that kind of thing it is literally like we're altering an environment so you're doing that on a very big scale and that's the nature of it you see because you're tinkering with things on a much bigger scale there are things that are responsible for keeping the status quo and there are other things that are tinkering on a big scale you know and that is something that perhaps maybe we don't give it enough credit in in that it's like it's quite difficult for most people to get their head around i guess isn't it because mm. they don't know the nature of the universe let alone start thinking about tinkering with it and altering it they just know about their own little corner so they stick with their spell cast into flick the lights on and off in the room by using the switch they don't really think about how the entire electrical grid works in the building let alone the city yeah, I think there's that that part where they feel like <clears throat> big magic for them would be, which still goes back to that kind of idea of, oh, well, I want a million pounds, that's huge. Mm. Um, where it stops being about kind of how it affects you on a day-to-day. Like, I think big magic, uh, I think the extent of small magic for some people is then thinking about what they need or what they want mm. whereas actually i think where the line crosses is big magic is where that curiosity to go and study something bigger is there and i think a lot of people don't go for the big magics because they're just huge concepts to start with so why mm. would you go when you've got all the money that you need to live why would you suddenly want to go and rob a bank and i feel mm. like that's kind of the mentality i think most people have got is well i don't need that i don't need to do that why would i put the effort in Mm. um whereas big magic is all about kind of bigger gains um in the sense of learning more by actually tampering with things redirecting things Mm. and understanding how how bigger concepts that hold the universe together work or beyond i guess yeah it attracts a lot of attention because if we're doing the equivalent of messing about because all of our lives are linked together to a certain extent some more so than others people that are in your vicinity that rely on you or affected by you they're influenced more by what you do obviously but it does have a knock-on effect but what you need to think about is doing little simple magic is the equivalent of you working in an office and deciding to go and switch the lights off in your own corner office Okay, if you're going to the next level, you're thinking about, wait a minute, I'm in an open plan office that I share with another 40, 50 people. I decided to switch the lights off. Someone's going to get up and switch them back on because they want them on because they're concentrating. Right. So you've all of a sudden you've got all of these other people that are perfectly capable of getting off their asses and changing it back. You see, and then you've also got potentially rules and legislation health and safety dictates that the room needs to be a certain amount of illumines you know because otherwise blah 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 
So you've got things like that. You've got the reprimands and such. Stop doing that. Stop opening the window, you know. There's one example from an office I used to work at doing maintenance and stuff. Uh, it was always the same complaint whenever you go there to maintenance contract. It was a council building. Can you do something about the fucking windows, please? So they had electric windows, so you couldn't actually open and close them. It was on a temperature control thing. So what happens is when it drop, goes above a certain temperature, the windows automatically open and they automatically close. But the problem is because of the way it was sat, it was like one degree change. Oh, it's one degree warmer now. We better open the windows. Oh, look, it's dropped. So they'd literally like one minute they'd open and then literally five minutes later they'd close mm -hmm. and it used to piss everyone the fuck off. But there's nothing you can do about it. Of course, you could do something about it. You can alter the temperature. But they can't do that because they're office staff. They need a magician to do that, don't they? Mm. <laughs> like when your printer breaks, you've got to go and take it to fucking PC World. You get some spotty oik go, oh, yeah, we'll look at it. Oh, okay. And you switch it on and back off again. Oh, the paper jam. Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll look at it, but it got 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've looked at your printer, I can't find anything wrong. It clicks, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I <laughs> fucking told you when I brought in. It's clicking. I think it's catching on something. No <laughs> shit, it's catching on something. <laughs> not catching on my fucking fist, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah. Oh, don't be like that. But the scary part is, in the world that we live in now, that you would have somebody like a spotty little oik um, who has actually got more knowledge than you have about the technology that you use. Um, I think that's been the case for a while, and it since home tell it since home computers children <clears throat> are generally a lot better off than most adults. They're also more happy to press all the buttons and take the chance that it fucks it all up, whereas adults yeah. tend not to. I have to say, as I'm getting older, I'm getting worse with technology. I used to be very good with technology, but nowadays I'm kind of like, I really can't be fucking bothered to try and figure out how this works. I'm just going to not use the function. I'm just going to not use it. Like all of this stuff where you set up the fingerprint recognition or facial recognition on the phone. I don't fucking bother. I just stick to a pin code because that's the way I've always done it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to change. <laughs> the thing is, they're not even, the functions aren't even worth it these days. So that's the mm. difference. They give the illusion that this is higher tech than it actually is. Um, I thought it was just a way for, you know, the golden arches people and such to get your fingerprints, Chris, because it's not like they haven't already got them. <laughs> exactly. All those times you're swiping across that screen. Oh, yeah. They, they've, um, they introduced biometrics in my old school, and that caused a big hoo-ha because they won't let you pay for anything from the canteen. You've got to use your fingerprint or eyes or something like that depending on where it is but um yeah that was a bit of a hoo-ha but now it's just like readily adopted like you don't there is no swipey card there is no anything like that your parents put money on an account that account's linked to your fingerprint the only time you're getting anything from the canteen yeah. is if you give them your fingerprint you know yeah. but oh dear old david ike he, he's warned about this hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast, Liam. Oh, okay. Um, What's the this about? right, oh, yeah. we'll do later. Is this about advanced spellcasting? What was this about again? This, this is about big work. Oh, big work. Okay, big magical work. Big magical work. So this work. is what I think is supposed to be about inspiring people to accomplish big magical work, because you don't see a lot of people aiming for it, I guess. No. Well, we do, because we've got amazing mentees that are always aiming where they're like, you know, with the whips, whipping them. You can do quicker, faster. <laughs> Aim for more. Reach further. <laughs> I mean, the general folk in the medical community often don't 
well, I suppose they don't think there's anything on the line, which of course there is. But that's it for this regular edition of the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. You can listen to the extended edition of the No Holds Witchcraft Podcast, whatever this is, and it's well worth it. So um, I made a little joke earlier about you calling out mentees and such. I was just a wondering. No need to call people out necessarily. I was just wondering if anyone springs to mind as a mentee who is currently or has done what you would probably think of as bigger work and what that might be. Because I know that they all like to snitch on uh, or they all like to know each other's business, don't they? So I was wondering some stories might be nice of people that have attempted. We had... uh, the map maker on not too long ago didn't we she was uh she spoke a little bit about her arrows and that mm. is that big magic or is that not big magic i don't know um what they have the potential to do is big magic i think mm. that that is the the idea it's kind of working at a higher level that mm. allows work to then impact other things um so yeah i suppose depending on how they're applied will depend on whether or not they fall into the, those arrows fall into the category of small magic or big magic mm. it depends on where the map maker is firing them um so nowhere good nowhere <laughs> good i'm sure but yeah i she's she's a perfect example of someone that is constantly working on bigger things um i think with the archivist we have kind of crossing over of the of that kind of band every now and again but she's Um, always trying to improve isn't she the archivist is one that always tries to push further um never happy with what they've got which is both a blessing and a curse it's a blessing in that they're always improving and pushing forward but it's a curse to a certain extent because i think you're never necessarily all that happy i read an interesting or i listened to an interesting lecture the other day about um from a psychotherapist i know you don't like psychotherapists but i do like to listen to what they're babble on about every now and then they said people that are intelligent are often a lot less happy than thick people they didn't say the term thick people but i'm translating here in case there are thick people listening (laughs) (laughs) so it's interesting that the dumber you are, the potentially more happy you are, because it doesn't take a lot to make you happy. Whereas intelligent mm. people are very difficult to please, apparently. Well, they require more stimulus. Yeah. So more things have to be in line for them to be happy, I guess. Whereas, you know, you know, ignorance is bliss, Liam. Mm, they do um, say that. The whole idea of that is that the less you know, the less likely you're going to be disappointed by something not being right um would you say depression's a sign of a high iq (laughs) (laughs) well yes i think certain (laughs) certain types of depression depression are are definitely specifically related to intelligence um or more importantly i think awareness i think is what way at we actually mean not kind of people think i people think of iq don't they when they think about intelligence whereas actually yeah there's this thing called emotional intelligence yes which is closer to awareness i guess Mm. oh i'm hearing myself liam echoing i can hear you Should I turn you down? Possibly. So the um, so yeah, I think a big part of that is that um, is being how aware are you? Mm. Um, and obviously, psychic ability-wise, that's what we keep pushing: is that greater and greater awareness of what's possible and what's actually occurring, what's around you, but in a not in a overloading, all-encompassing way more of a targeted i want to use this sense now or i want to use that sense now um you know something that hinky's going on over there i want to have a closer look Hmm. so what about other patrons or mentees or anything like that that are doing big 
big work. There's always certain people. What about the Festy Witch's official house boy, the one they call Jill occasionally? Oh. He's always up to something. Is that big work? He's always messing with something. Yeah. I think a lot of the time he's on the cusp of bigger work. Mm. Um, but then I think the ADHD kicks in and he sees some other squirrel that he wants to follow. Oh, maybe he's just keeping his secrets to himself. Maybe. 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 I think also there is an aspect of that, though, Liam. I think where people, where they're less confident about the work they're doing, mm. they sometimes will hold that closer to their chest for longer um, because they think they're going to get judged. Um, well, there is a lot of people that want to package everything up perfectly and have all the answers before they present it, which I, I think with him particularly is what's nice is that he kind of shows his workings out as he's going. So you always get a little update as to what's going on and his thought process and stuff, like, which I really like that. Mm. Um, whereas other people, they you might see them for a little bit and then all of a sudden they give what's essentially like a massive lecture on their entire journey and you're like hit with all of the information all at once you've been back yeah. now you've been doing a lot of work haven't you <laughs> we thought you were just sort of skiving <laughs> but yeah no it's tricky because a lot of a lot of people are in different places so mm. when when they join us on the podcast on patreon and as mentees um they're at di everyone's at a different stage in life aren't they um people are at that you know might have a lot more shit going on mm. when they arrive others are kind of a bit more confident where they think they know the basics and want to push to the next level so i think it's hard to kind of compare patrons side by side on that basis um that some of them haven't had the time or the training to get to the point where they are doing big magic. Um, hmm. I mean, it's, it takes a special sort of someone to, to go that far. I think yeah. it's very telling the people which when they get the ability to use magic to create a nice life for themselves. How, at that point, how many people don't really go further with it? They just kind of carry on and use their magic to influence their lives and the people around them's lives, and they're not really interested in pushing a lot further. Obviously, we we like the ones that want to take it all the way. But that's not everyone's path. That's not what everyone wants, you know? No. Some people just want to be a, a bit more comfortable, mm. that kind of survivalist kind of approach um, that we often talk about. Um, whereas very few people are in this as lifers, if that makes mm. sense. Um, so, what does a, a witch or a magical practitioner or what have you do if they're bored? They're bored with their practice, they're bored with their life, they're kind of feeling the winter blues, they're kind of feeling a little bit of seasonal deficit disorder, kind of feeling a little depressed, they're kind of feeling a little mopey, and they're kind of lost you know, fell out of love with life, I suppose. What, what's your advice to them? Where do they go? What do they do? Any little pet projects or anything like that? They just need something. I think for those, I think for those, it's pushing up that middle column myself. I think that's that kind of pushing, pushing their way through um into exploring more about them i think mm. small i don't i don't think small projects or you know what i would normally say go for a walk um and see what jumps out of the um the bushes at you mm. is kind of one of those kind of ways that you could entertain yourself but i don't think that's what you're asking i think if you are bored and still hungry for more i think a lot can be said for kind of going up that kind of mid middle column kind of um everybody's obviously after our talks over the over the kind of christmas period everyone's obsessed with shadow work at the moment 
Um, but there is so much more kind of beyond that once you get there um, of kind of exploring the solar self. Um, that's a lifetime's work in itself. Um, you know, the shadow work for some people will be a lifetime's work. It really depends on where you're at. Um, but that kind of reaching out into other versions of you is mm. far safer, shall we say. Uh, I'm using that word very tenuously. Um, is far kind of safer than probably what some, if you're not sure about bigger works and coming up against the universe itself, um, you're less likely to push against something you can't handle. Um, there are still opportunities for, you know, soul-shattering situations. Of course there are. Um, messing with yourself on a higher level is, of course, has its risk. But I think that kind of middle column it has a lot of space for you to explore what is possible um, with yourself in a kind of slightly safer situation. But what would you say? I actually quite like talking or trying to communicate or work with a future version of yourself. Because that because what you are going in to inevitably do, whether you're doing it in the moment or not doesn't really matter but at some point you're going to start working towards that that is going to be a person you're going to be one day essentially so it's interesting to see the inspiration come in and it may sound like a little bit of a paradox to look at a future version of you and then be inspired by that and that then starts to get the ball rolling to turn you into that person which is quite interesting um people will say that that's somewhat paradoxical even though it's not really but that's because if i've got four marbles I've got four marbles. It doesn't matter what order the marbles are in or where they are on the day table. As long as those four marbles are on the table, I can move one of them to the left and one of them up and then one of them down. I've still got four marbles on the table. Yeah. So wrap your heads around that. <laughs> Future version of yourself, inspiration. Think there's where I'm going to end up. Mm, maybe I'll start now. Mm. But again, that takes that linear aspect into consideration because I think that's where most people go wrong mm. is they obsess about the past. Yeah. They don't look at the future. And the main reason they don't do that is because they've got this idea, you know, like you say, paradoxical, but also they feel like somehow that's harder. Um, whereas they seem to forget that they're only linear to us. Mm, yeah. um, so they're only in that order looking at them from this perspective they're actually not in any order whatsoever and don't necessarily build on one another they are different in their in entirety separately um they have their own sovereignty that allows you to borrow back and forth um because actually in reality they're they're all happening at the same time but mm. um which is why you can't really um, have this kind of paradoxical issue in that sense. It's more your processing that is where the damage is likely to happen. <clears throat> Jenga. Yeah, Jenga. I love too many game. out. I think it's an under uh, underestimated king when it comes to magic. I think more witches and such should play Jenga, magical Jenga. I love a Jenga block, Jenga tower. There's just some slices of wood. It's actually quite profound. Mm. I also want to get some candle molds for chess pieces, but that's for some sort of a big work. Mm. <laughs> Have you got any big work projects on the go? Because we're starting or anything like that you did say last time that you're thinking about starting some projects i wonder if any of the projects you're thinking of starting this year are going to be what's classed as like bigger magics um partially it's about establishing my conference again um kind of re-establishing um that alter to oneself um because i've let it slip this year um mm. And it's one of those things, it's like herding cats, really. If you're not maintaining it, um, things start to wander because they're not designed to necessarily be um, in coupling like that. Um, yeah. 
so yeah part of part of it's that um i kind of want to which is partly why this mythos series is happening is kind of re-establish um my kind of neptune process mm. um i think part of um this is going to sound awful liam but you'll love it um having to dumb down my knowledge on a regular <laughs> basis um to explain it to the plebs is as kind of kind of starting to leave a stain um Ooh. i kind of almost kind of like um dementia it feels like what oh. i imagine dementia feels like where i'm wondering if i'm losing parts that were normally on in regular use aren't being used um and so there's a little part of me that wants to kind of re-establish that um in making sure that i've those still stay as interchangeable as they used to be mm. um because obviously when we've talked about kind of solar work more recently we've talked a lot about that kind of flow that needs to occur um mm. and you know if you suddenly start losing that kind of muscle memory because you haven't done it in so long um that kind of is a little bit scary um which is why i kind of attach that to kind of dementia as you know mm. the word but you're not connecting that word to a thing um mm. so you know so do you think if you stopped your magical work or cut down on it that like dementia there'll be a point where you forget yourself because obviously at the moment you're aware it's like walking into a room and forgetting things you're being very forgetful but you notice that you're forgetful mm. obviously it gets with dementia to a certain point where you just don't know anymore that yeah. you're you've, you're gone you're too far gone to now would you say that that happens magically for you i i would say so wouldn't you get to the point that you are interchanging with your other selves mm. i think that opens up a doorway to that possibility is because you're sharing information between ultimate mm. version different versions of you um that there is that kind of disassociative part of going mm. well, which one am i again um mm. so kind of opening up that channel is it's like anything for me is you keep using that skill um you know they say the best way to combat uh dementia is by doing something new mm so you know as as you get older you should be making sure that you're still continue to make new skills mm -hmm. so learn new skills so even if that's kind of like you know you suddenly take up piano later yeah, in life that's a popular one for some of the is, a, is a popular one because it's it's a creative you know if you can find creative outputs they're constantly changing so mm -hmm. because there used to be this concept that people used to think that you kind of you got to a point where there was only deterioration and no new mm. whereas they're now starting to see that we continue to make new neural pathways as we get older um mm. that kind of neuroplasticity is there so neurogenesis is something that only occurs when you try something new mm. um so building new pathways so that's why kind of um you know handicrafts for example and other kind of traditional crafts are becoming more and more popular for people post-retirement is that mm. it's it's about keeping not just keeping your hands busy but pushing new thought so that your brain can rewire itself and create new pathways um so for me it's that it's like i feel like if i stagnate for a little bit too long like i have this year where i've stopped pushing forward that there's that risk of yeah you start forgetting things um where did i put that or what did mm. i do with that and that's where it starts for me in my opinion like at that point you've got to start pushing again and i think new work is the same which i think should be the drive for why practitioners should always keep pushing themselves um rather than kind of resting on their laurels but that's just you know um me considering that witchcraft is a vocation it's mm. a craft um you don't kind of stop moving forward because um you're bored 
Um, otherwise, that is just retirement, in my opinion. Mm. You still use the occasional craft. It, you know, when you when your nephew come round and you have to put up a new set of shelves, um, where you use a skill you used to use every day. Um, mm. There's kind of like those sorts of parts. Um, I think that is that post retirement for witchcraft is kind of people going, oh well, I use it every now and again when when people ask, but otherwise I don't practice. And I think that's a dangerous point to get to mm. um, where you kind of get in that nasty habit of only only doing magic because somebody needs something um, or that you need something. I think you need to kind of get past that part where it maintains as part of your life and part of you keeping yourself young, essentially. Hmm. Interesting. I thought about going back to like the old way I used to work with the planets and that, and I considered building a solar altar to myself, mm. try and connect, reconnect in a different way. Because I normally have my go-to ways of connecting, which is like there's not, it's not very visual. There's not a lot going on. Like the map maker is saying, she doesn't have a lot <clears> that's <throat> going on physically to take pictures of and such. I thought I'd like to do it in a way that the majority of people probably would do it. They probably do ultra type work and stuff. So I thought about doing that. I saw this lovely pot in a home sense, I think it was. And I thought if I get if I see that again, it's felt felt very solary. Uh if I see it again, I'm gonna buy it. I'll take that as a sign, I'm gonna buy it and I'm going to build a solar altar. So we'll see if it crops up at some point. Because it's a big undertaking really to set it up and then maintain something like that. So yeah, I like I, I said, really got to think about whether I want to do that. <laughs> when I started doing it in the first point, um, building this kind of old, obviously in a less solar way, mm. um, and like I say, mine is still very Neptune mm. in in its approach. Um, the it completely changed my practice. Like mm. it added some, it, you know, it added something that I didn't realize was missing um but also made my practice more stable mm. um i felt like that was the biggest change is my my practice was far more stage stable then mm. um you know rather than being in my usual kind of chaotic way of working but that was me trying to process through this whole planetary stuff that to me is is you know a, a way of practicing I've never done before mm. so dabbling with that kind of made me go okay I need to approach it in this way well I think it's ready as it's been kind of dormant most of this year because I've um had too much mundane <laughs> mundane life going on I'm kind of ready to re re um interact with it mm. um but no, I'm intrigued that you've gone, so hopefully, somewhat a little bit inspired by my altar to myself. Mm. You've mocked for how long now? I just think that it's a massive ego thing to say you built an altar to yourself, you know? Well, and it, it is, is what a it is. Ego thing. You've just tried to cover it up by saying, I'm going to build I a solar altar. successfully covered it up because it sounds nowhere near as, as egocentric as what you are doing and the way you phrase it. I'm building a solar altar. I mean, what's wrong with that? So, well, mine, well, mine was less solar for me is part of the reason, but also I'm shameless. So as far as I'm concerned, I will tell you exactly how it is and you will process it in the way that you process it. Hmm. Yes. I've obviously in many, re in recent decades, overdone the Saturnian, so I've been working a lot more with Venus and Sun and that, and I think if I need a permanent glow, essentially, in my environment, it needs to be solar, because my circulation's improved a lot since I've been doing a lot more solar work. I'm definitely very unbalanced. I, I need to do more solar work, particularly this year. It's got, you know, I've got to do it. So I figured maybe a year, if I set an ultra up this month, keep it for a year and then disassemble it at the end of the year might be a, an interesting one to have a little tinker with it. 
because I can pick it up and put it down and it'll, it'll have the desired impact. It's not going to be anything, uh, probably no great epiphanies or a major work or anything like that, but it will be enough. The tinkering will be enough to kind of rebalance me a little bit because as you know, we aren't very good at rebalancing ourselves because doctors make the worst patients. They do. They certainly do. Right, so we got five minutes left. Is there anything else you want to say with regards to bigger magic, inspiring practitioners? Anything? Um, in terms of, ins I suppose, bigger work and ex inspiring is, I think it's important that people consider them. I think I'm going to go back to the squirrels thing again because that seems to resonate with lots of people, particularly when they've got this content to listen to and the other content that we produce. I think it, it is very easy to get kind of distracted by the constant new ideas that they've got coming because of something else they've listened to us talk about. Um, and I think it's important that you find some way of, I don't know, journaling or indexing so that you can kind of go back to the things as they happen, you know, as they are appropriate for you and less about because they're a topic of discussion right now doesn't mean they should. Mm. Everybody should be doing it. Like that's kind of not why we design, pro it's not in the way in which we design content. So I kind mm. of feel like it's one of those kind of reminder times as it's the beginning of the year that, you know, by all means, explore it a little, then put it down. And then when it's when it comes to a natural interest point, go and open up that rabbit hole again, mm. you know, um, to kind of go for a map way of working, uh, you know, map, map the location of something you wanted. But that doesn't mean you need to explore it now. It's, you know, it's on a set of maps that you can return to it at some point later um, and dig up whatever treasure you're going to find there. Um, you know, I think squirrels is is something that a lot of people that we work with need to give some thought to is they don't have to follow <laughs> every rabbit hole they see. Mm. Um, just mark it on a map and come back to it later when you feel drawn to it. inspiration from perspiration i would say so we have a, an issue i think in today's society where they talk about like kids and these days have no role models and such i think him well actually if you look at magical practitioners and what the role models for magical practitioners are the same names come up it's the john d's and the alistair crowley's and such and you've got to kind of ask yourself are, are these really great role models are these really do they make you feel kind of warm and fuzzy and inspired inside I, and I'm not really doesn't really do it for me but the inspiration that I get I do get inspired by some of the people we hang around with and mentor and people that are part of our little kind of thoth community um from the effort that they put in you know it might not be effort because again there are people that will look at the effort and sweat and blood that people put into their work and they think fuck now I don't want to go that far I wouldn't want to do that better you than me but that doesn't mean you can't be inspired by it be inspired by that person's accomplishments and journeys which is something the ancients did very well with their storytelling and myth and such like that we don't really have a lot of that I don't think in the modern world magical world we don't really have a lot of people and I know a lot of people don't share necessarily but there isn't a huge amount I think to be inspired by um from other people but the great accomplishments great accomplishments that people have either managed to actually accomplish or things that they're working towards accomplishing i think that can be actually really really inspirational whether that's something that you like a path you want to walk down or not doesn't really matter it's just the fact that you know and can see well there are other people suffering along a path that's somewhat adjacent to mine i find that nice i think that certainly gives me a lot of comfort I think really take a little think take a look at yourself and think about who in the community or who 
you now, not necessarily our community, but magical community in general, who inspires you? Who are you inspired by and why? What part of their story or their work or whatever is is inspired, is inspiring to you? You don't need to take what they're doing and copy it or incorporate it at all. It can just be the hard journey, you know, or what they've lived through or something like that. But anyway, that is it for this edition of the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Over and out.